morning is Ryan Smith. I met him this morning and uh, I so appreciated that he was the first vehicle on the yard this morning. It's always scary to lead a service and you wonder is the speaker is going to arrive or is he going to be there the last minute? Well, he was here first thing and we could have a little chat with each other. He works with Youth for Christ and possibly is going to tell us something about his work and also share some, something from the Word of God. So we'll call on Ryan this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be with you here this morning. Um, as I said, my name is Ryan Smith, and uh, yeah, I almost didn't make it here as the first vehicle this morning. Um, I decided to take a new way to Killarney, and uh, up by the 253, and I got talking, and as my wife can tell you, I can talk quite a bit and get carried away with the sound of my own voice, and all of a sudden, I ended up in Cartwright. So... <laughs> So, yeah, so it was a little bit longer trip than I anticipated, but I made it here, so it was good. But it's like, man, I've only been living in Pilot Mound for pretty much my whole life, and I can't even make it to Killarney, so it's pretty, pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, I work for Youth for Christ in Pilot Mound, and uh, my wife and daughter are here. If I could convince her to stand up, my wife. You can stand up, Adrian. My wife, Adrian, is going to stand up now, so. And... Uh, we, we have a little girl named Peyton who's in her grandma's arms and her grandma and grandpa are here, Adrian's parents this morning as well. So they've been helping us paint the house this past week. So I'm thinking it might have been the paint fumes that made me, uh, you know, get lost this morning. So, so yeah, we're, uh, we're excited to be here and uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, I've tried to make it work uh, for a few years to come out and speak and it's always seemed like it's been on an event we've already had. Um, been having, so it's been a conflict. But it's actually interesting. I have a few connections with this church. Um, one is Michelle Harms, who I assume most of you guys know. Now Michelle Reimer, as I know her. Um, and actually, a bunch of people from our church, and a few of them are here this morning. Walton, Evelyn Gerbrandt, and uh, John and Katie Harms are both here. So they apparently, I've been wondering where they are in the summer, but apparently they've been at the lake, so, and here. So that's good. They've been coming to church. But keep them, keep them honest. Keep them coming every Sunday. Um, but yeah, so it's a pleasure to be here. Um, and actually, John is actually the chairman of the board for Youth for Christ in Palm Mount. So yeah, if you want to know more about uh, Youth for Christ and what we do, you can always talk to him whenever he's out here. So, so the connections also go back a few years, almost over 10 years ago, actually, to paintballing. And I first, I first came out here and started paintballing with the the Greening Boys, um, and we were very much worse than they were. And we were, uh, I remember the first time we came out here, and we, we just played against each other in the bush in our little town, and, and we came out here, and we were going to learn how, how the real paintballers paintballed. And uh, we came out here, and we were, we were thought we'd do pretty well. You know, we'd probably lose more than we won, but we'd do okay. And by the end of the day, we were so sore. And I remember sitting at the beach hut over here, and just being like, should we even continue paintballing? Like, this was just such a horrible experience. And they were good about it, but it was very painful. A very painful uh, day. So, but it was neat, because one of the things I just wanted to share this morning is how important it is, what you do, and the repercussions it has during the years. And I remember Hailstorm here in Killarney was always the Christian paintball team in Manitoba. And the first tournament we ever went to was here in Killarney. And uh, they'd specifically asked that nobody swear or 
nobody, everybody would keep the swearing down to a minimum from all the other teams that came. And I remember that was a huge, a huge thing for us because we were probably five or six years younger than, younger than these guys. And they were really making a stand and saying, we're going to paintball, but we're going to do it on our terms. We're going to do it with our convictions. And, uh, and half of our guys weren't Christians, but they still appreciated that um, level of commitment and level of uh, integrity, I guess. Um, and the paintball scene throughout Manitoba was pretty rough, um, but they, they definitely showed us uh, a godly way of doing it. Um, so yeah, so it's good connections with them. And actually, kind of another neat story is, is their paintball equipment. Way back when, five years ago, when we first started Youth for Christ at Pilot Mound, we actually, um, they rented us their paintball equipment. Um, and then they actually uh, donated it to The Rock. So that was a huge blessing for us. So you can, you know, give kudos to all of them. They were just a huge blessing. And that's what we've done paintballing with for the last five years. So it's been a huge blessing. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, and I actually thought Danny wasn't going to be here this morning. So I made him sound a little better than he was. But um, <laughs> he's waving at me in the back. But, uh, yeah, so it's a blessing to be here. Um, and I just wanted to share what we do in Pilot Mound. Um, we're, we're a community youth work organization. So Youth for Christ, we operate a drop-in, and we work mostly with non-church kids in Pilot Mound. Um, most of the kids, or the youth in Pilot Mound, from ages 12 to 18, don't go to church. So what, who we're working with is people who aren't very familiar with their Bible. Um, they typically, most of them, have maybe been to church a couple of times um, in their life. Uh, so it's a real... It's a real challenge sometimes, but it's also a real blessing um, because you get to share with them beautiful things from the scriptures that they've never heard before. And uh, that's, that's a pretty, pretty cool, uh, cool way to do it. I always love teaching stories like the Good Samaritan. And, uh, and then you'd be able to get a good twist in at the end. And we've all heard the twist a million times, so we know the twist is coming. Or, you know, when David kills Goliath, you know, we know what's going to happen. We know how the story turns out. We've heard it enough times. But the first time somebody hears it, it's always a huge... Huge twist. So, uh, so yeah, it's a real blessing. But what happened, uh, how Youth for Christ started in Pilot Mound was actually out of tragedy. Um, we had, uh, we'd had several accidents um, and, uh, and untimely deaths from youth in our community. Um, so there was actually a group of volunteers that started the drop-in uh, in a friendship center. And uh, so that's how we started. And uh, I have to admit, I'd finished college, and I was actually at Bethany College in Saskatchewan. And I came back, and uh, we started, um, or they, they'd already been running the drop-in, but when I started, I was the first staff person there. Um, we operated for a few years in uh, a senior center. So that was, it was pretty cool. I remember all my friends uh, from high school, especially ones that weren't Christian, they were asking me, like, so did you ever expect you'd be working in a senior center like four years out of high school with youth? And it was just a cool way um, that God operates that we could be doing that. So I've been working there for five years, and uh, since then we've actually built a building, which was a huge blessing, um, and which enables us to do more programming. Um, and our programming centers around the drop-in concept. And what the drop-in is, to be brief, is it's a place where youth can come and hang out where there's pretty much very little programming. And the purpose of that is, is for a lot of young people now, um, they have so much access to entertainment at home that they're, they're actually losing a lot of their social skills, I find, like especially the younger ones. Um, and it's always funny. Uh, it's always funny when we come to drop-in. And there's kids that come to drop-in and they just get on their cell phones right away and they're talking with each other. Um, 
which, which is kind of a little sad, but at the same time, then I always, I always can bug them a little bit about that, and it's fun. So, but it's, it's definitely a challenge to, to invite people to something um, and just enjoy themselves and allow them to enjoy themselves. So it's a very relational ministry. We depend a lot on our volunteers. Um, we have a pool table. We have board games. We have TV. We have um, ping pong. Lots of different opportunities for them. But it really depends almost solely on our volunteers and and we build relationships with those youth and let them know, look, uh, we love you, we accept everybody that comes through these doors, and we want you to know that. So yeah, that's the backbone of our program. We also run paintballing programs in the summer, um, which has been kind of a cool story, and I wanted to share one, one youth story that, uh, that we had. Um, one girl, when she first started coming to the drop-in about five years ago, she just had a stone-faced look. And I didn't really get any of those this morning when I came in. But sometimes when, when you come up to people, maybe in the city or, you know, just on the street, and they just have a stone-faced look, like they just want nothing to do with you. And you know if you, if you visit with them, they're just, you feel like they're going to bite your head off immediately. And this is how that girl felt to us. And I remember, I remember uh, we were all like, you know what, just don't worry about it. We'll just include her. We'll make, we'll make jokes, and we'll just, we'll just love on her. And it was pretty cool, because three years later, she became a Christian. And it was slowly through um, the program that she began to get to know volunteers better and get to know people better. But the thing that really got, got on with her was paintballing, this young girl. She loved paintballing. So she would always be out there, and she would be winning and beating all the guys pretty consistently, and she just loved it. And that's, that's really the way that, that sucked her in and got her to say, hey, you know what, maybe Jesus is worth following. Now, that's not to say that she's living a perfect life. She had a pretty hard upbringing. But, uh, but she, again, she accepted Christ, and she's, uh, she's been substantially changed through that. And that's who we work with. Um, we work with abused, abandoned, and broken youth, for the most part. Um, we work with people who aren't from the greatest family situations, um, and that's, there's their own struggles with that. And our hope and our goal is we see the hope and potential in every young person. Um, and our hope is to share the gospel with them and disciple them into the church. And our strategy is always to invite, always relate, and always to disciple. And that's been another exciting thing we've been doing, is we have actually have a program where we get to disciple uh, about 10 non-Christian youths a year, uh, which is pretty cool. Every, every week or every second week, we actually get them to help mentor their peers the older youth mentor their younger peers. So it's been a, that's been a lot of fun. But I picked this verse in John 8, 31, 32 because I really wanted to explain about why Youth for Christ sees the hope and potential in every young person. And we see the hope and potential in every young person. And some people think, as you look at some kids, and really there, there isn't a lot going for them in their life. Um, and I remember one youth that I met over the last couple of years, and for him, what he would do on the weekends and during the week is his nights consistently were cleaning up his, his parents' vomit um, from, from drinking the night before. And that was just his life. And again, how do you possibly do well in school? So, you know, school was a real struggle for him. Um, and that was his life. He was up at four in the morning pretty much every day cleaning up. So there's not a lot of hope in that situation. But the truth of the matter is, is that our hope isn't placed in the kid. The reason we see hope and potential in every young person 
is because of the truth of John 8, 31. Jesus, the truth shall set you free. And that's the truth. Without the gospel, without that truth, there is no hope and potential for any one of us. And I think the first answer that we always ask when we're doing youth ministry is, well, what is the truth that sets kids free? And we think that's the gospel. It's the good news. And I think that's, um, that's said right there. This is living the gospel, serving with our hands, loving with our hearts, showing Christ's love, and growing God's family. That's living and sharing and explaining the gospel. It's right, right up there on your wall. The world is marred and corrupted by sin. None of us escape it. We have all turned away from good and have done evil. We cannot escape. God has provided a way of freedom from sin through the death of his son. And Christ's death on the cross pays the penalty for the sin that we deserve, the evil we have caused. But the truth of the matter is, Christ didn't stay dead. He was resurrected through the power of the Holy Spirit. And for this reason, the final bondage or slavery of sin, death, is overcome. Jesus is Lord over all creation, including death. As the song lyrics of the song in Christ alone say, No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Christ rules all. And this is where the hope and potential for every young person comes in. And this is to say, we all need to know this truth. And I, I love this passage where, where the Jews say back to Jesus, We're not slaves, we're Abraham's children. And he says, Well, everybody who sinned is a slave. And one of the fun things I love to do with, with youth, and with myself too, is to ask this question. Can you stop doing this sin that you've, you're doing? So maybe it's as simple as gossip. Can you stop? Can you try not to gossip for a week? And that's a challenge for all of us. Can you try not to gossip for a week? And every time we fail, at one point or another, we let something slip, you know. And, we, you know, however we couch that language, we, we always fail. Or if, um, I always love when uh, kids tell me that they can stop, this is one of my favorites, they, they, stop, they can stop smoking at any time. Um, and then every single time it happens, it's like we always lie to ourselves about what we're doing and saying, well, you know what? Really, we're in control of this problem in our life. We're in control and we can end it at any time. But it's just not true. Um, so every time there's these poor, poor youth are trying to quit smoking and it's a real struggle and that's the truth with us too with a lot of other sins that aren't as simple as, as, um, as something like smoking but the part of the problem is I find and this is and I even, even preaching this sermon sometimes and talking about the gospel it's that it's very difficult to stay impassioned about it as a Christian I've been a Christian for um, about 12 years now I became a Christian halfway through high school through a youth group. Um, and I think I've heard this story so many times. And it always reminds me of, many of you have probably flown. And if you've flown, they always go up to the front and the middle and they always give you the seatbelt routine. And I don't even remember the whole routine. But I do remember that I don't listen anymore. First couple of times of flying, I was nervous and I was listening, right? Because I was so nervous I was going to crash. But now, I never listen anymore. I, I admit it, that's not a good example. You should be listening, but I don't. And uh, now, actually, I have started to listen a little bit because I have a little girl, and they always have the part about how you should always put the oxygen mask on your own face before the little girl, like your child with you. I listen to that part now. But 
It's super important. It's very important to actually know what to do in an emergency. But sometimes we hear it so much that we often forget that how important it is. Because off, it's important enough that we should hear it every time. And it's just like the gospel. We should be continually hearing in our lives. But it's very difficult to remember and to stay passionate about that message. Oftentimes we are hearing the message, but we stop listening and taking it to heart. And this is dangerous for the young people I work with. This is a tragedy, because oftentimes I find that we as Christians, the gospel message becomes dusty and old, and it becomes very boring for us. But young people that aren't, don't go to church, and they don't hear this message very often, it's life-giving, it's new, it's different. And that's why it's so important to keep saying. And I just want to emphasize this one sentence. It is not the world that finds the Christian message stale and dusty. It is often us Christians that increasingly find it stale and dusty. So how does this relate to Youth for Christ? It's intimately related to the, to the introduction of young people to Christ. The name of Youth for Christ implies that there are a group of young people who are for Christ, who are committed to pursuing Christ. And this can only happen if these individuals are free, free from the bondage of sin. And this is what the truth tells us. This is our mission as an organization. We work with young people to free them from the bondage, or I use sometimes the language of addiction to sin. The language of bondage and sin is, is old-fashioned, and at times it often is difficult to explain. But I use, again, the language of addiction of sin or addiction of evil. This is an increasing problem. Communicating the gospel in ways and methods that young people understand is difficult. How can we know, one know the truth if one cannot even understand the language that is used in conveying it? I've never been a, on a plane that explained the language or explained the instructions, the flying instructions, in a language other than English. And I think that's a real blessing for us English speakers. But I think it would be very difficult without the, without the hand gestures for someone who speaks maybe French, and if they don't say it in French in a different country, it would be very difficult to, to uh, understand the message. And that's what we have to keep doing, is we have to be willing to, to um, not change the methods, message, but change the methods of explaining the message so that people can understand it, to explain that truth that sets us free. And this comes back to one of the myths I continually encounter in my work, is that young people aren't very interested in studying the Bible. Some, people, some young people aren't, but that's the same as any age group. And I was uh, having a conversation this morning with somebody about this very topic, which was kind of interesting. Um, but the interesting part is, again, like I said before, most young people don't know anything about the Bible. And I remember speaking with um, uh, some older people um, who, who were growing up in an age when Bible study was a big part of their church life. Um, and I hope that, hope that it still is here. But many churches have given up on a lot of this Bible study. And, he was, and this individual was talking about how he felt that it's very difficult to learn much from Bible studies because he had done so many in his life. But that's the exact opposite problem of people my age. If I think of myself, I don't know the Bible nearly as well as my parents or my grandparents. We've never, I've never experienced the level of biblical saturation that they have. And many young people are desperate for older teachers who expose them to the basic radical message of the gospel and can expose, show them the scriptures. There's virtually... Uh, no, nobody who knows the story of the Good Samaritan that I work with. 
They don't know about King David. They don't know about Moses, who we were talking about this morning. Um, they don't know barely anything about Jesus. And I remember a discussion I always have with a lot of young people, and they always want to talk about after life after death. Well, what happens after you die? And they say, man, I wish there was somebody who had died and come back to life that I could trust to tell me what happens after you die. And I remember getting that conversation. My answer is always, well, have you ever heard about the resurrection? And they go, no, what's that? And then you describe to them how Jesus died and came back to life. And that's, that's such an important lesson for them because it's a very basic part of the biblical story. But they have no idea that it's even there. It's a beautiful thing to explain the story of Jesus to someone who has never had the chance to actually hear it before. And that's what Youth for Christ is about. We see the hope and potential in every young person because we see that the power of God in the cross can save every young person. But the real challenge, I think, and this is for myself as well, but for all of us, how do we continue to proclaim the gospel to those around us without becoming jaded? How can we continue to proclaim the gospel as a radical message of change if we no longer consider it radical at all? I always love one of my favorite verses in the Bible is when Jesus calls the first disciples. And what he says is, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I always remember that's a funny verse because we often think that the last thing that we need to be doing to, to help people find Jesus is following Jesus, giving, reading the scriptures, prayer, understanding this, under, deepening our understanding. And many times I think youth ministry has a reputation of being shallow and unreflective. But for me, continually being rooted in Christ is the only way I keep the gospel fresh. I read and watch stories of missionaries or of anyone else who is an exemplar of faith. I read scripture, I pray. I apply scripture to my life and continually remind myself that I radically need to shape my life to fit the gospel message and that the Holy Spirit needs to continue to work in my life to apply the work of Christ, both death and resurrection, to me. This takes work. It's a challenge. I fail often. But my challenge to each one of you is this. How can you keep the gospel from becoming dusty and stale in your own life? The lives of people around you depend on that. The freedom that comes with the truth of the gospel message is that Christ saves us. We don't save ourselves. And this is why it's so important to remind ourselves that we are slaves. And in some way, the danger is, is we leave parts of our life to be addicted to different sins. And the biggest problem I find, actually, or a large problem, is our understanding of freedom. What does it mean to be free? And for our culture, what freedom means is choice. As long as I'm allowed to do whatever I desire, that's free. Thus, it's not as important what you'd want to choose to do, but it's important that I get to choose it. But one notices in this passage that freedom for Jesus is not freedom to do whatever I want. Because I want stupid things. I want things that aren't good for me. Freedom is freedom from sin. And sin is a condition that every one of us is enslaved by. It corrupts our thoughts, our souls, and our bodies. We do not make a move without it disrupting who we are meant to be and who God has created us to be. 
And the sin nature in us, human beings, produces a variety of diverse sins. Sins tend to be habitual in nature. The lie of our culture's definition of freedom is that each one of us has the ability to stop participating in sins as soon as we desire. We pretend we are in control of our habits when they are in control of us. As a friend once told me, you believe you are free, but you are a slave. This is what he tells youth. I say the same thing. Youth and us are enslaved to lying, pornography, eating disorders, bullying, lust, and a variety of other things. I challenge them, again, like I said before, not to try not to commit the sin, these sins. Inevitably, they fail. To free a young person's hope and potential, it's needed, it's needed that we are free from the sin nature that we inhabit and that they inhabit. And this is what we call the gospel message, that Christ saves us from our sin and thus from the habitual sins that control our life. This is true freedom. This is the message we need to be out there to all young people that need it so desperately. So my challenge this morning, just as end off, and it's been a real pleasure to be here with you, is twofold. I want to challenge you first to proclaim the good news, announce the good news, shout it from the rooftops, use your words in your lives to share the good news. And summer's a great time for it. It's beautiful out. You can have people over for a barbecue. You know, you don't have to preach a whole sermon at them. You don't have to say everything I said. But you just, yeah, just use your words in your lives to proclaim the good news. And second, continue to learn and grow in the good news. Do not let it grow dusty and stale for you. Apply it to your life again and again. And one of the things I've found that really helps me is sometimes I read only parts of the Bible, and I get to know those parts so well, or I think I know them so well because I read them so often. Go and find the weirdest part of the Bible that you never look at. Like a small little prophet somewhere, and you just read the words on the page, and it makes no sense. Like just to read them, you're just, I have no idea what this means. That's a way that I often use to, to, not, to be less stale, is to read a part of the Bible I never read, and just really let it sink into me. Again, I want to thank you for having me. It's been a blessing to be here. Um, and I would love to meet uh, as many of you as I can after church and shake your hand. And uh, I'm sure uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law and wife would as well. So, so yeah, well, I'll be, off, I'll be uh, at the back after church. And if you want to hear any more about what we're doing at YFC in Pilot Mountain, that'd be great. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Hopefully I can drive back to Pilot Mountain.